Welcome to The Abandoned Carousel, the show where I tell you the stories of the most interesting abandoned amusements and theme parks in the world. This week, I'm talking about the 20-foot-tall sculptures of President's Park in Croker, Virginia. David Atticus has big ideas, literally. He's created some of the largest sculptures in America, such as the 67-foot-tall Tribute to Courage statue of Samuel Adams, currently standing in Huntsville, Texas. But he's also known for projects on a, shall we say, more presidential scale. Inspiration came to Atticus when he stopped at Mount Rushmore during a road trip in the early 90s. Quote, I was overwhelmed by the majesty of it, but I was disappointed that I couldn't get up close to them and look them in the eye. The idea occurred to me to do a park with all the presidents, big enough to get in front of and look in the eyes rather than from a quarter mile away. I'm a Texan. Big is impressive. End quote. Atticke searched for partners and investors for this new idea he was calling President's Park. He wanted to locate his sculptures in Washington, D.C., but he had a hard time finding buyers. He finally found someone in Williamsburg entrepreneur, Everett Haley Newman. Along with Newman and other investors, over $10 million were secured for the park. Even with the necessary capital coming in, it wasn't smooth sailing for this new park. Public opposition arose after the park was first proposed in the late 90s. The initial plans called for a full set of presidential busts, including a special 75-foot-tall statue of George Washington. Officials from Colonial Williamsburg, the National Park Service, the York County Board of Supervisors, historians, even the local papers, no one liked this idea. Some called it just plain garish, feeling that it didn't fit the colonial emphasis of Williamsburg. The town does easily mix the colonial past with its more modern side, but this was just a step too far. They thought that this was a cheap roadside attraction, and they hated it. The 75-foot statue idea was canned. The York County officials still required expensive, special-use zoning permits for the park site. Atticus and Newman didn't like this, and they took the county to court over the zoning permits. Now, during this time, Atticus had already started making sculptures, and the sculptures had already started arriving in Virginia, some as early as the year 2000. These sculptures couldn't be put into the park just yet because of the battle over permits, so they lingered. They lingered on trailers around the town, they lingered in the countryside, and they lingered Some even ended up temporarily at the Norfolk Botanical Gardens while Atticus and Newman were still battling with the locals over permits. 
Atticus was so enamored with his President's Park idea that he began to work on a second President's Park in South Dakota. And funnily enough, due to the legal battles in Williamsburg, the South Dakota Park actually opened first in 2002, just 40 miles from the inspiration site of Mount Rushmore. Atticus owned the property in the Black Hills himself. The park there covered two acres of a sloping hillside, and visitors were often surrounded by wild turkeys as they perused the sculptures. Finally, after four years, Atticus and Newman won their legal battle in Williamsburg. Eventually, the site was qualified for museum status, and the park was allowed to open. In February 2004, the Williamsburg location of the President's Park finally officially opened. It was adjacent to I-64 and convenient to other Williamsburg retail. Cost was $9.75 for adults and $6.50 for kids. The site offered self-guided tours, walking amongst the beautiful white sculptures set against a background of green trees. Signs were presented for each of the presidents, as well as signs for 14 defining moments in American history. Visitors could stroll along the winding paths over the 10-acre sculpture park, taking in trivia about each of the presidents while looking each of these 42 statues in the eye, as Atticus had intended. For additional fees, guided tours and educational materials were also available. There was, of course, a gift shop. Official response to the park was tepid, at best. Quote, We are a nation that is sorely in need of more aggressive enlightenment on our own nation's history, and to the extent President's Park helps do that, we certainly commend them for it. End quote. Tim Andrews, spokesman for the Colonial Williamsburg Foundation. Walter Zaremba, a member of the York County Board of Supervisors, simply said, quote, there is resigned acceptance of it, end quote. But despite this official response, park visitors did enjoy the park, with exit surveys being over 90% glowing. So the process for creating the sculptures went like this. First, Atticus made a giant 18 to 20 foot tall clay sculpture. Then he made a mold out of it. And from this mold, he could then cast his sculptural bust. And the great thing about this system was that he could make as many or as few of the sculptures as he wanted. Concrete was filled into the molds to create the final sculptures, and it was supported with steel rebar. Each sculpture took six weeks to complete, and the whole set took over five years. Each sculpture was appraised at about $100,000. Some presidents were reportedly easier to create than others. Apparently, Gerald Ford's features and Bill Clinton's hair were the most difficult to recreate. George H.W. Bush, on the other hand, was reportedly Atticus's favorite, and apparently posed for his sculpture personally. So despite these impressive sculptures and the positive responses from visitors, the park quickly started suffering. The location was convenient to major areas, at least technically, but it was masked by the woods and a hotel that stood directly in front of it, 
So the park stood essentially invisible from the rest of the Williamsburg tourist traffic. The economy at the time was sluggish, and the site just could not draw the people away from the rest of historical Williamsburg that it needed in order to stay successful. The investor group bankrolling the park was changing as well, and one of the members wanted to get their cash out. After only three years, in 2007, management listed the site for sale, sculptural busts included, for an asking price of $4.5 million. After one year, there had been no buyers. The money for maintenance, well, it kind of went by the wayside, and the busts began to fall into disrepair. Sun, wind, rain, birds, they all took their toll. A lightning strike even hit Ronald Reagan. And the park continued to lose money. It continued to lose visitors. And when the time came, the President's Park could not afford to purchase a new bust for President Obama, which they estimated would cost about $600,000 to create at that time. The recession had hit tourism hard. Finally, after dwindling visitors and dwindling profits, the park closed in September 2010, six years and 350,000 visitors later. The park sat abandoned for two years. No one wanted to buy the place. The loan was defaulted on, and the bank foreclosed on the property. An auction was set for April 2012, but it was canceled for undisclosed reasons. A second auction in September of 2012 again failed to attract notice. Officials grumbled with our friend Walt Zaremba the early voice of opposition saying, quote, Lord knows what's next, end quote. Enter Howard Hankins. Hankins was a local builder, the owner of several businesses, including a local concrete recycler. Hankins had actually assisted in the construction of President's Park back in the early 2000s. With the property finally sold to an undisclosed buyer, but not including the sculptural busts, management reached out to Hankins in the fall of 2012, looking for help disposing of the presidential sculptures. Hankins balked at the idea. Hankins remembers it well, saying, quote, They called me and wanted to know if I would come down there and crush the heads and haul them away. I said, heck no, can I have them? I'm going to preserve them. End quote. Hankins continued on, saying, quote, I just feel it was very educational. To destroy that stuff didn't look right to me. End quote. So it was decided that Hankins was going to move the sculptures from President's Park to his own property. It wasn't an easy prospect. These sculptures were made out of concrete and each weighed an estimated 15 to 20,000 pounds. Now, when the sculptures had arrived at President's Park in Williamsburg, they arrived in two pieces, a head portion and a neck portion. But now they were being moved in one single piece as a full sculptural bust. This was a more challenging prospect. The sculptures sat on platforms from which they had to be lifted as well. 
So, of course, the first sculptures to be moved suffered the most damage. There were broken noses. Some sculptures have entire backsides exposed. Abraham Lincoln's sculpture is missing most of the back of its head, eerily calling back his manner of death. Holes had to be smashed in each of the president's heads and their necks in order to expose the interior steel. Excavators, forklifts, and cranes then helped move the sculptures from their pedestals onto flatbed trucks. The sculptures had to be rocked in order to remove them from their pedestals, and this too caused damage at the necks. Height was a concern as well, as the sculptures needed to go through several overpasses on the 10 miles between the site of President's Park and the property where Hankins was moving them. So they had to actually get out and measure the overpasses. The entire move took the better part of a week, and it is said to have cost around $50,000, which Hankins paid for himself. The sculptures were driven to Hankins' personal property in nearby Croker, Virginia. They set George Washington to one side in a place of honor, overlooking the rest of the group. Andrew Jackson and Abraham Lincoln were among the handful of others set near him. The rest were placed in no apparent order, into a handful of lines, and this made for some interesting pairings. You had JFK sitting next to Ronald Reagan, George W. Bush, now with a large chip taken out of his cheek, sitting next to Teddy Roosevelt. And then they sat, and they sat, and they sat. Hankins had rescued the sculptures, but didn't have immediate plans for how to deal with them. So nature began to take its course. The heavy sculptures sank into the mud on his property. This was his construction site property. There weren't pedestals here. Weeds grew up around the bases of the busts, and the natural elements continued to mar the surfaces of each president. Explorers and interviewers described the sculptures as weighty and beautiful, a modern Easter island. Faux tears have formed on faces from the discoloration of the rainwater. You see hornets and other insects making nests inside the president's nostrils and the turns of their collars. You see paint peeling and cracking from the surfaces of the busts due to the constant moisture and condensation. Some of these sculptures, they look horrified, whether as if by the state of the world or perhaps just by their own personal state of disarray. Small trees and shrubs have even begun to grow in front of some of the presidents. Where the interior of the sculptures is visible through the broken and cracked concrete, you now see rust. All told, the sculptures are beautiful and eerie in their decay. Now, Hankins' original goal when he rescued these sculptures was to provide an educational attraction for visitors, and he wanted to allow visitors onto his property. However, this quickly turned out to be a proposition that just wasn't going to happen. This was his personal property. He had to carry hefty liability insurance. There were a lot of issues that meant that he could not make the park that he wanted to. He could not recreate President's Park. 
and he had regular trespassers, despite fencing and cameras and other security measures. The sculpture sat on Hankins's property, quietly decaying for a couple of years. But in around 2015, photos started to be posted on social media. There were these beautiful photos of these decaying, giant presidential busts. And this renewed interest in the location. Interest that really, interest that really had not been there when the original President's Park was open. Media came in droves for interviews and photos. And so many of the interviews and articles that you see online are from this time period. This even includes an eight-minute National Geographic special that was filmed about Hankins and his efforts to restore the sculptures. And it's kind of cool. You can even see these sculptures uh, by satellite using Google Maps and the address of Hankins's property. So at this point, you might even be thinking back and saying, well, what about the South Dakota President's Park that had opened a year before the Virginia President's Park? Well, Attiki's the original sculptor and the owner of that park, said after the fact that the location had been a mistake. There was just too much snow in the area, so the open time for the park was way too short for it to actually turn a profit. And funnily enough, the South Dakota President's Park was actually featured on the cover of the final Life magazine issue, April 20th, 2007. The title was 21 Places You've Got to See to Believe. So despite that media attention, the park in South Dakota also closed in 2010. Reviews of the park were generally mixed. Visitors, they thought it was interesting, but locals, they thought it was an eyesore. Attikees reportedly still owns that property, but he's begun to sell or gift the sculptures there to the relevant communities. For instance, Andrew Jackson's bust can now be found in Jackson, Mississippi. Eisenhower is now in Denison, Texas, and others can be found at various RV parks and hotels around the area. So you've got JFK, Ronald Reagan, George W. Bush at the Southern Hills RV Park in Hermosa, South Dakota. You've got Lincoln at the Lincoln RV Park near Williston, North Dakota. And you've got Teddy Roosevelt at the Roosevelt Inn in Watford City, North Dakota. And so remember I told you these were made out of molds and that Atticus could make as many sculptural busts as his heart desired. Well, his heart did desire more. So if you thought there weren't enough giant presidential heads sitting around, for several years there were even more. There were a handful of busts in Pearland, Texas at a planned development that fell through. These are now in storage. And there are a handful of busts at Mount Rush Hour, which is just off the I-45 in Houston, Texas, where you can see a rotating selection of Attiki's presidential busts. He really did make great use of those molds. Long after the sculptures in Williamsburg had been moved, David Attiki's found out about the relocation. His involvement in the park had really ended once he had finished the sculptures and delivered them. A friend forwarded him a story from the 2016 Media Blitz. Quote, I was totally shocked and disappointed that they had been raped, 
end quote, says Atticus, quote, I was pissed off and devastated and sad and all the rest, but there's nothing I could do about it at this point, end quote. You see, nobody had ever thought to reach out to Atticus to inform him about the state of the sculptures or ask for advice on how to move them. Quote, I don't even like to look at the photographs because I can see they're damaged in other ways. Now they look like a graveyard of our greatest heroes, of our American presidents. That's sad to see. End quote. The former grounds of the President's Park in Williamsburg are now an enterprise rent-a-car. In February of 2019, there began to be some teasing stories in local news articles about a potential new home and new life for these sculptural busts, but details were light. Later in the year, Hankins partnered with photographer John Plachal. Together, they set up ticketed events that dovetailed both Hankins and Plachal's interests. You see, Plachal is an author and photographer who specializes in abandoned places, and he recently published a book, a photo history titled, quote, A Beautifully Broken Virginia, end quote. And so these ticketed events that he set up, they featured a slideshow and a lecture on his work, followed by a walking tour of the sculptures on Hankins's property. Some of these tours have already taken place, and Plachal has several more tours scheduled through the rest of spring 2019, including twilight and evening tours for the urbex and photography enthusiasts. It's not surprising, but these events do sell out very quickly. As part of the tour, guests can look inside a shipping container, where Hankins saved some smaller items that had been in the visitor center when he had originally moved the busts. These were things like replicas of First Lady dresses, a small model of the White House, a model of the bust that they had intended to buy for Barack Obama but couldn't afford at the time. In April 2019, this small bust of President Obama was stolen from the shipping container storing the small items. No details on the recovery of this small bust have been made available at the time of this recording. Hankins was interviewed for the local paper and said that he is actually having a deal in the works right now to move the president's north to a new home. Quote, I can't say when and where just yet, but the guy who is running the project really wants them. We'll make a big announcement when the deal goes through and then start fundraising to pay to get them moved up there. End quote. At the time of this recording, Hankins's original GoFundMe that he started back in 2015 for a generic presidential experience still has only 0.2% funded of the half million dollar goal. Some articles even put the total funds required at one and a half million dollars. For now, the presidents sit, slowly decaying, grouped in lines overlooking the countryside off I-64, and somewhere in the trees of the Black Hills in South Dakota, and across a handful of RV parks, too. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Abandoned Carousel, where this week I covered President's Park. You can find show notes, photos, and links at my website, theabandonedcarousel.com Remember to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcatcher 
I'd love to hear your stories about the President's Park from any of its iterations. Email me hello at theabandonedcarousel.com or get in touch across social media. You can find me at carouselabandon, A-B-A-N-D-O-N, on Twitter, and at The Abandoned Carousel everywhere else. I'll be back next week with another great episode, so I'll see you then. As Lucy Maud Montgomery once said, nothing is ever really lost to us as long as we remember it.